Yo, this is Pastor Tito, and welcome to the Revolutionary Podcast, where I'm here to help you find Jesus and follow him. days to preach and on the text that I'm going to do today, which happens to be titled Painful Prayers. It's weird because that text was picked months ago and it lined up really interesting um, for me as I was praying to communicate this with you guys because if uh, some of you guys are aware, some of you guys are not in that um, a lot of our prayers have been filled with a lot of pain this week in that uh, our family lost uh, my, well, my grandfather had passed away uh, earlier this week on Wednesday. And um, it was my father's, um, my father's dad. He was a longtime elder of our church and um, third, and I guess I make uh, third generation of Israel preachers, right? We're all the same name. And so I thought that was an interesting, that gave me an interesting lens in order to not just look at today. But I also, the more I looked at today, I was like, I have no excuse but to share even this with you guys, as you're going to see in a little bit. But I'm sure I'm not the only one who's ever had to incorporate pain in your prayers, right? I mean, sometimes pain is what draws us and forces us to pray, right? It could be anything. It could be a difficulty, a, a struggle, a, an unanswered prayer that is delayed and causing more pain and driving you further into it. And so a lot of times when we, when we wrestle with those difficult emotions and those difficult times, we may in our prayers say a statement like, now, why now? Right? Well, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's ever said that. I was like, why now? Why does this happen to me now? And what's going on? I, I don't need this, right? Why now? All right? And I want to let you know if you've ever prayed the why now prayers or why me. There's space for that. There's, God allows us and gives us space to be able to share that. In fact, we have many prayers in here of people humbly declaring and asking the simple question, God, why me and why now always? And what I love about that is that there is space that God allows for us to explore all of the, the full gamut of our emotions in a humble way. Because there's sometimes when I know my kids, and I've done this before and as a teacher, oh my gosh, right? I've, I've had for years, almost like 16 years or so, every time I was like, all right, guys, it's time for a test. Why? I was like, you know, we always have those, right? When you say, hey, take out the trash, why? Right, you know, do this, why? You know, your boss tells you do this. You probably say to you. Why, right? You probably say it to yourself, right? Under your breath, maybe, depending on the relationship you have. Now, when there's the, a way of asking why that's wrong, and there's a way of asking why that's okay. Why, and there's a very defiant way, like you've all done this, like, why do I got to do this? Do you really care about wanting to know why at that point? No, you don't, right? But if you, there's a sincere way of wanting to know why, and that's fine. And, and there's a place in which God does allow that. But the Something interesting happens when we shift from praying prayers, painful ones, that say, why now, to now what? That's a big one. Something shifts when in our painful prayers we begin to say, well, Lord, now what? Now what in response to all of this? And when we ask that question, now what, you will find 
a blessing in disguise. Now, this is kind of weird because sometimes I just don't like it. I don't know if you've ever heard someone say, I don't like it when someone says, well, you know, you know, sometimes there, there's a reason for everything, right? And God always does something on purpose, right? I'm like, oh, cool. So God wanted me to get T-boned yesterday, right? That he wanted me to get T-boned so that, I didn't, by the way, you know, so I hypothetically, so I can be in the hospital and have all these bills so I can have a testimony to give, right? That was his divine plan. No, God, you know, he does things for a reason. Listen, things happen. And the reason why things happen is sometimes because of sin and difficulties, but God can put reason and give reason to senseless things. Does that make sense? You know, you don't have to. God did not ordain you to be a, you know, an alcoholic for a decade, ruin your life, and then be rescued so now you can have a testimony to help other alcoholics out. Man, come on. You know, no, God can, can repurpose that. And so, but, but the thing is, is that we can find that blessing in disguise when the things that don't make sense and we start asking, okay, well, now what? And we get to see a blessing in disguise as long as we put our trust in God. Now, I put a, I'm going to show you a little social experiment of a bunch of people who did not trust the generous offer of a person. Can we put it up? Do you guys want $1,000 or should I double it and give it to the next person? Double it. Double it? Okay, thank you. Do you guys want $2,000 or do you want me to double it and give it to the next person? We're going to double it, okay? I want him to go broke. Do you guys want $4,000 or do you want to double it and give it to the next person? Double it. Double it. Okay. Do you want $8,000 or do you want to double it and give it to the next person? Um, double it and give it to the next double person. Double it? Do you guys want $1 or do you want to double it and give it $1? Oh. Do you guys want $1,000 or should I double it? So. All right, that, there's a lot of different experiments like that are done on YouTube, which was interesting, and it was true. Some they, those guys, you know, they give away this money. So now you know if somebody asks you that question, right? Look for a camera and take the money and run. All right, I'm just saying, no, you never know. But the the reason why I bring that up is that why do you think online? I want you to think about this and be the first one to write, type it. Everybody else, tell me, why do you think so many people turn down cash in hand? Some of you are going to go to the mall today looking for that guy, right? That's, you're just going to wander like, all right, I need a YouTuber. I need a, I need a YouTuber today, right? Let me ask you a question. Why do you think those so many people said no, double it? Do you think that that many people were that generous and selfless towards another? What, what do you think is the reason? Maybe the cameras? Doubt. I bet you're right. Did you see how they... The, the middle kid was my favorite, right? The kid was going to take the money. That, that second one, he was like, no, nah, I don't want you to take it. Double and give it to someone else. I want him to go broke. Like, I don't know if you heard it. That's what he said. And so that guy's, that guy's ruthless. And so there was doubt. Th- this person was going to give them all that money. And they said, I, it seems too good to be true. No, nah, no. I don't, I, don't think they were being, I don't think they were being generous. I think they were just being doubtful. And Here's the thing. There's, when, there's a lot of times, all right, there's a lot of times in which God is there and God desires to do a work in us. And we don't experience it a lot of times because we doubt who he is or we just don't know. I mean, these people didn't know this guy. 
And that's why they doubted him. And sometimes we doubt God because we don't know who he is. And this is why we need these reminders to grow in who he is. Because all of those, that was not a scam. It was a, it was a blessing in disguise. And when we begin to shift, even in our, the pain of our prayers, and, and, and we shift from now, why now, to now what? We can experience that same blessing that we never thought was there. But we needed it, especially because of the difficulties that we're going through. Make sense? And so we're going to look at that in the second letter to the Corinthians. So we've been looking at Paul's prayers. And last week, we talked about a prayer that Paul had to this Corinthian church. He wrote it uh, around 50 AD or so. And this was a church in which he had spent about 18 months, and he helped them to get to know Jesus. He got them going, and then he moved on to the next. And he heard that things weren't going well. And he heard that uh, they were struggling a little bit, kind of going off the rails. And so he sends a, writes a letter, which was 1 Corinthians, all right? He writes a letter. And in that letter, he says, God is faithful. And he prays. And he's talking about how I've been praying to a faithful God about you. Because you guys, <coughs> excuse me, have been unfaithful to him. You've been unfaithful. And I'm praying to let you know that God remains faithful. Well, they didn't take uh, too kindly to that letter. How many of you guys have ever given advice to somebody and they just took it, chucked it off somewhere else, kept going, and made it worse? All right, anybody? How's that feel? How's that feel? <coughs> it's not fun, right? Not fun at all. And so that's what happened to Paul. And so when we're going to read in a minute his opening line to his second letter, which technically is not the second letter, all right? Technically, what we call 2 Corinthians, which was the second letter to the Corinthians, technically is the third letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. So the thing is that the reason why it's called second is because we don't know where the second went. In fact, in the second letter, in chapter 7, he mentions this. And the reason why he writes 2 Corinthians is because that second letter actually had an impact in their life in, uh, in a way that Paul wasn't expecting. So let's do me a favor. Let's read. And forgive me for my voice. I've kind of lost my voice all week. It's getting back <coughs> online. Forgive me. You guys are going to hear that cough more than anything. But anyways, let's look at 2 Corinthians 3. Uh, chapter 1, excuse me. 3 and 11. And we're going to give you the, the backdrop to all this, because this is good. You're going to immediately see why I had no choice but to preach this one today, with this being the Sunday, the service for, the text for the service. He starts off his letter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> the Father of God, the Father of mercy, and the God of all what? Comfort. For he comforts us in our afflictions, in our pains, in our struggles, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from, Christ, from God. For just as the suffering of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same suffering that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know 
that as you share in the suffering, so that you will also share in the comfort. We don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of our affliction that took place in Asia. All right? We were completely overwhelmed beyond our strength, so that we even despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a terrible death, and he will deliver us, for we have put our hope in him, that he will deliver us again, while you join in helping us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gift that came to us through the prayers of many. So before we dive in, Carlos, do me a favor. On my mic, boost it up a little bit. So I'm going to try to not talk as animated. I'm just going to, hopefully I don't speak too monotone for you guys. All right. So now, you see why right now I'm talking about this? Oh, man, this, this is the text for today. This is the text for today. And so why does he open up his letter talking about comfort so much? Comfort and afflictions, comfort and afflictions, comfort and afflictions. Well, because this church needed to be comforted. Remember I told you. 2 Corinthians is not 2 Corinthians, it's the what? It's technically the third letter to the Corinthians. What was in the second? Why did he have to write the second? Why is he writing this third? Well, let me give you a quick little backdrop story. So when he writes his first letter, the church, like I said, they ignored it. The reason why I ignored it is because there was a group of very eloquent false teachers that showed up. And they begin to throw all kinds of shade and talk a lot about Paul. And one theme that they talked about was suffering. And Paul, if we know his story, you, some of you, if you don't, <coughs> he suffered a lot for Christ. I mean, beaten. I mean, uh, struggled financially. <coughs> a shipwrecked. I mean, so many things happened to him. And these false teachers were saying, Pretty much this. Listen, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, you are now a son and daughter of the living God. And there's only blessings now in his name. You should be, if you are a believer in Christ, you should be always happy and wealthy. Always happy, healthy, wealthy. Because that is the inheritance of every believer in Christ Jesus. In fact, if, there are, if you are suffering in your life, if things are not going right in your life, it's because there is sin in you or a lack of faith in you. Look at Paul. Yeah, God used him, but look at him now. Where is he? See, what you need to do is listen to me. Listen to us. Look at us. Look at the life that we are experiencing because we follow Christ and the same can be offered to you. So don't listen to Paul. Paul has already shown himself. So if, if he is suffering, that means we can't trust him. Something's wrong with him. Now that some of you are, are smiling online, I can feel your smile. Because it sounds a little bit like some kind of things today. I mean, it's, a lot of that goes by different names, the prosperity gospel, word of faith, you know, stuff like that. 
in which we always ought to be. The, the people of God should always be winning, never losing. If, if there is sickness in your life, it's because something is wrong with you. You've done something wrong. If you are broke, it's because of you. You're not giving it. You're not this. You're not that. If, it's, if something is wrong in your life, it's on you. All suffering is evil, is wrong. It is an open door to the enemy. We're supposed to always live victorious and happy and triumphant, always moving forward. Well, Paul heard this. And he, he didn't even write his letter. Paul showed up in person to settle this. He was like, no, 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 no. Pause on this. I'm going to talk to these face to face. He showed up to confront these individuals. Because here's the thing, which Paul mentions and talks about. Sometimes, guys, listen, some suffering can be a result of sin. Let's just hang on a lie. Sometimes we're like, oh my gosh, you know, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? It's happening because you're stupid, okay? It's you did something dumb, you know? That's why. You're an idiot, all right? I'm sorry. Sometimes you got to tell somebody some tough, tough love. And I'm like, this, you are not the victim. It's your fault, okay? This is not a <laughs> little you know, violin playing, okay? It's you, bro. Sometimes suffering is a result of sin, and sin can bring about suffering. But this is the weird thing. Paradox, the cross, the, of the of the of paradox of the cross, is that um, there is no one more obedient than Christ. Jesus never sinned once, and yet suffered more than anyone ever has. And so now, suffering could be because of sin. But suffering could also be a result of faithfulness. Now, see, and this is the crazy part. Just because, hey, just because you're faithful doesn't mean you always have to suffer. And, you know, it's the same thing. And so you got to be very cautious here. But so Paul goes to confront him saying, no, no, no. No, no, no. Because, see, all Paul would say is, listen to the word. Listen to the Lord. Listen to his word. False teachers by the way, uh, an accurate, uh, a more sincere one. You want to listen to people who say, hey, listen to the word. False teachers always say, listen to me. You hear the difference? You hear the difference? Listen to me. While a faithful one would say, no, listen to the word. Listen to the Lord. And so Paul would confront him. And here's the crazy part, guys. While he confronted those people and he goes his, the church, he loved these people. He knew all of them. Each and every one of them turned their back on Paul to his face. It was so heartbreaking. You guys know, I know you guys know heartbreak. You guys know when somebody just dropped you, you know, like, like a sack of potatoes, right? You know what that's like. I mean, they didn't just drop you. They dropped you like some people drop a bag of ice that you get from the grocery store, right? You don't drop that. You just, you know, you slam that stuff, right? You slam that bag to break the ice. That's how Paul felt from these people that he loved. So he left. And he talks about this later. If you read 2 Corinthians chapter 7, he says, I wrote you a letter in response to that visit, and I let you have it. But he poured out his heart. It was a harsh letter. But it wasn't one of saying, oh, really? Well, you know what? Forget you then. You know, he didn't just go and uh, go off and, and saying all this and all of that. He didn't do that. 
but he poured out his heart like saying, I did nothing to you. I did nothing for, to, to deserve this treatment. I love, I mean, he, he, we don't know what he said, but all we know is that he spoke enough raw truth that the Corinthians heard it and it woke them up. And they began to, we've all had these aha moments like, what have we done? Right? What have we done? Oh no, what have we done? Right? The toothpaste is out of the thing. You can't put it back in, right? It's out. And the Corinthians were mourning. They were, oh my gosh, what have we done to Jesus? What have we, they realized that they had walked away from Christ. These were Christians. We walked away from the Lord. And the crazy part, they walked away from the Lord following false teachers. They made them feel that. And they convinced them that they were following the Lord. In reality, they were walking away. Watch out. And so, and they were like, oh, this, and what does Paul think of us? So Paul hears word that this church is in affliction. Paul was afflicted. In fact, and you look at all of Corinthians in the second letter, Paul talks about all of his afflictions that he had too. The one in Asia that he mentioned, we don't know what happened. All we know is he thought he was going to die. That's, that's it. But Paul says, I was grieving when I heard that you guys were so affected by that letter and you were remorseful, but you were so sorry and, and it hurt you. I didn't mean to hurt you like that. In fact, it actually said I had an open door to minister to people, to tell them about the gospel. I couldn't do it. I chose not to. I needed to know that you were okay. Oh, I pray that you and, all, you and I all have people that have to stop what they're doing because they need to stop and see if you're okay. We need those people. Paul says, I couldn't do anything. I needed to know. And so when he had one of his boys come back with a report and say, Paul, good news, good news. That, that you know, yeah, that, that letter, it hurt him real good. I mean, it slapped him three times. But you know what? They, they repented of their sins. They're sorry. They're returning to the Lord. Paul's affliction was comforted to hear, oh, my gosh, my God is so good. All right? Just like it feels, you know, after, I mean, I know I like this feeling when you're working on the lawn all day, right, and you're just outside and you drink that, like, glass of ice-cold water or lemonade or whatever it is, just, oh, that feels good, especially in the summer of Florida, man. It's coming up. And so he was grieving, and then he actually also talks about later. He, he had afflictions, too, that God sent a thorn in his flesh, which we don't know what that is, something that physically bothered him. To the point that sometimes he, he, it, it, it hindered him. And he prayed three times, painful prayers. God, can you take this pain away? Some people think it was physical. Like either a physical ailment or, or something. But it was enough <coughs> that it was, it was causing him to, to not do what he wanted to do. Lord, can you take this away? Three times he prayed. Three times God didn't answer until the last one. He said no. Because... You might not understand this, but listen, I'm allowing this to happen to you to keep you humble, Paul. Because I know you, Paul. And if, and if I don't allow this to happen right now, you will become prideful and you will run away from me. And so then Paul says, well, Lord, if I got to deal with this pain, instead of praying, why now? He shifted to now what? And now what is, I trust that your grace is enough. I trust that your grace is enough. And it did this work in his life. These Corinthians, so interesting, why does Paul open up with affliction and comfort? Because they don't know how Paul feels anymore. And so Paul opens up a, a, a letter to a grieving church, and what does he talk about? 
a God who brings comfort to those who grieve. He opens with God, pointing to him. And so this is super, super important. So there's a couple of things I want you to, I want to just quickly look back. The one thing that it does is this, and there's kind of two points that I want to make. The first one is we are comforted in our afflictions through prayer. Paul found comfort in prayer, in the God of all comfort, praying to the God of all comfort. But as he's talking to this church, he says, listen, we are comforted in our afflictions through prayer. When we remember who we are praying to, you find comfort in your prayers when you remember who you're praying to. And what does he open up with? Who is this God? He is the God of all what? Comfort. Type it online. Say comfort, right? He's the God of all what? Comfort. And when we pray to him, we got to know who he is. And I love even what he said, the God of what kind of comfort, guys? What do we say? Some? Few? All. <clears throat> the God of all comfort. And he is a faithful God. That no matter what, there is comfort for all kinds. And the word of afflictions that he was going to use there, the word afflictions means crushing pressure. Crushing pressure. There's a lot, you know. Sometimes we put pressure on ourselves. We put pre people, parents can put pressure on us, right? Society, family, culture, right? Our, 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 what's the, you know, what's, our jobs can put pressure, family, responsibility, life, man. It's, it's a lot of pressure, right? And sometimes people don't mean to put pressure on you. They're just trying to be helpful, right? And then, oh, my God, well, you stop what are you doing? You know, and they don't, they're just trying to help you, and they don't realize they're hurting you. But that's why we got to remember who we're praying to. And what's interesting is the word he uses for comfort. In fact, the word comfort actually means someone who is near you, near you, next to you, and ready to help you, responding to the call of help. That is the God of all comfort, all right? Listen, God wants to be just like this part that I have in my hair, right by your side, all right? That's what he, that's what he wants. He, it's right by your side. That's what God is, right by your side, right there. This is who he is. This isn't a God that we have to run up mountains to and cross oceans to run to. He's that close and desires to be that near. This is the God who comes to us. I mean, in fact, think of Jesus. Every religion in the world is the same. Every religion is the same. It just got a different paint job. All right? It's a different paint job, different seasoning. It's all the same. Do this in order to get to God, happiness, joy. You do this to get to that. Everyone is the same. Yet Christianity stands alone. It's the only one that says, nah, you can't go to him. That's why he came to us. He came here. But then we have to respond. We have to choose in that case. And so it's so important to understand that, that he comes near to us. He calls on us. And so, and, and I love even the aha moment. That he had. I don't know if you caught it. I'm going to read it to you. You don't have to put it on the screen, but let me read it to you. He said, when we felt that we were going to die, like literally, we don't know what happened. It was just enough to know that they thought it was over. They were, you know, today we're going to meet Jesus. We're going to meet Jesus. All right. It's going to be good. I ain't going to worry about it. It's it. They were ready. 
And they thought they were going to die. And notice what, just listen to what I'm about to read here. He says, <coughs> where was it? He says, there it is. Verse 9, he says, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. We thought we received the sentence of death so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. I love that. He has, they have this aha moment. Oh no, I think we're going to die. Oh, wait a minute. We have faith in a Lord who died and came back from the dead. You see the difference there? This aha moment. We thought we had, we were given the sentence of death. Oh, but, but we trust in the Lord who raises the dead. All right? Not to meant that, you know, either, we're back. You know, not one of those. But they knew that no matter what happens, we know our trust is in God. And so that is that reminder. Guys, listen, a lot of times the pain in your prayers, when you, pay, when you pray painful prayers, even pray good ones, this is a good reminder for us. Remember who you're praying to. Who are you praying to? And when you know you are praying to a God of all comfort who is right there, that changes a lot. Puts a sense of hope and security that wasn't there before. But he goes, so he talks about that. He opens up this letter, encouraging them to say, remember who he is. And then in the other one, and this is something for us to learn as well. We are comforted in our afflictions through prayer. Not only when we remember who we're praying to, but when we remember who we're praying for. And this is a good one, right? And this was a hard one. This is a hard one for some of us. Because a lot of times, guys, when you're going through it, who are you most focused on? You. You're, mo you're most focused on you. Rightfully so. Now, I am not here to tell you that. No, no, no. You know? Because I know sometimes there's this acronym. I've used it before. But I've also tried to, you know, help put some, you know, training wheels on it, right? Joy, right? You pray in this order, Jesus, others, then you, right? Jesus, others, you. And, and there's, a, there is a, there's truthism to that in that, you know, Christ ought to be priority number one. And we want to make sure that we, that we are living for others and we don't just think about we're living for ourselves. But sometimes people take that too far and they put themselves last and they think that, Okay, well, I got a situation, but I got to pray for so-and-so, and then pray for so-and-so, and then pray for so-and-so. Okay, can I pray about this now? Like, I, I want you to know, again, there's grace for God for those emergencies, for those difficulties. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But this, but we see here that there's, you got to understand that suffering is not an excuse for being selfish. Suffering is not an excuse for being selfish. Because here he says, after he talks about a God of all comfort, who does what? He comforts us in all our afflictions. So that with this purpose and intent, that we may be able to comfort those who are in, interesting, he says, any kind of affliction. So when we encounter this God, not only is the healing and the strength found when he does a work in us, but the strength is even found when he does a work through us. Guys, that's Paul here. We, we see it. Paul was going through it. He just said it. Man, we were afflicted until death. I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to die. But at the same time, he was like, but I was so worried about you. I was so worried about you because I love you. I was so worried. His personal problems did not distract him yet 
for the other people that mattered in his life. And so that was an interesting thing to see. And he's just kind of models. <coughs> he models that for us. And it shows us, guys, that we need to be, that we shouldn't be selfish even when God does things to us. Because, again, here's, there's, it just doesn't work that way. Again, it's like you're, you're thinking you're taking that dollar, right? But you're, you're taking something else if, if all you want is all you do is you want to just get from God, get from God, get from God. But you never ask, how can, I, how, how can you use me to comfort somebody else? You know, Paul needed to be comforted. He said it, man, I had a thorn in my side. God, comfort me, comfort me. I had the thing of death, all of this. And, but he was, he was still concerned with others. And so not, he was desiring to receive comfort, not so he can have an easier life, but so that he could be able to give life to those who didn't have it. In fact, there's an interesting thing, an interesting phenomenon in Israel. In the, I'm going to put a map on the screen. I want you guys to see it. Some of you might have seen this before. The very top, if you can't read it, says the Sea of Galilee. And the bottom, you see it's called the Dead Sea. All right? No, Emily, you've been there. A couple people have been there. I'm going to get to be there later uh, in a month or so. All right? Oh, we too. We're going to be there too. Listen, you know what's interesting about the Sea, the sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea? First off, you can see the Dead Sea is huge compared to the Sea of Galilee. All right? So all right, all right, you can bring it online. I want you to come back to me. So look at this. Let me tell you the difference here. The Sea of Galilee is full of fish, full of life. I mean, it, is, it has been producing and feeding those communities and or even, you know, who knows, around the world for generations. Huge, amazing. And then you saw a river that connects the two. If you go to the Dead Sea, it's called the Dead Sea for a reason, because nothing lives in it, right? No, ve no vegetation can grow in it. No animal can live in it. Why? Because the salt level in that sea is so high, it is so concentrated, nothing can survive there. Nothing can. That's why it's called dead. Now, how can two bodies of water in the same region of the world connected to the same river, how can one be so full of life and one dead? Kind of shows really the two examples of the two people that there are in this world. You're either alive in Christ or you're dead. And you know one of the differences? The Sea of Galilee receives water from, from rivers and the mountains and, and from, it, it gets water from all around, but it has an outsource. It not only receives, it also gives through the Jordan River. And the Dead Sea is, feeds and receives from the Jordan River. But do you know what the Dead Sea doesn't have that the Sea of Galilee has? It doesn't have an outlet. The Dead Sea only receives, 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 never gives. That's why the salt concentration is so high. Listen, if you've ever tried to follow Christ and you feel like, you know, this ain't working, I wonder. I wonder if you just showed up just wanting to get and get and get and get and get and get and get, and get never caring about how to give. I mean, not even, I'm talking about financially, man. I'm talking about your life. You feel me? If you just run to God and you, you showed up today on a Sunday looking for something for you, okay, you'll find it. But you're, you're settling for crumbs. You're settling for crumbs. You can't just get, 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 and be all about you. For, the, for that's not like God. God is a giving one. And, and those who are in Christ, 
oh man, they enjoy the impact and the influence of what it is to follow him and in his word, but there's a natural output that should be produced. And that's what, that's what we see in Paul. Paul is not a stagnant sea. He is one that just wants to flow. And he is comforted, not only in praying to a God of comfort, but he is also comforted as he prays that God comforts others. His focus is not on himself. His focus is on Christ and others there. And what I love too, and, and man, this is, this is why sometimes you got to read slow. You got to read slow, all right? Kind of take the scenic route, right? Sometimes if you go on the highway, right, and you're flying 95, 80, whatever, right? I mean, I, you know, I-4, it's crazy over here, right? No, over in Florida, all right? It's crazy here. And so if you drive fast, you're going to miss stuff, right? All right, today, I, I was in a hurry to get here quickly. And uh, thank God I have a more uh, aware uh, wife who saw the trooper up ahead. And uh, I slowed down. I wasn't paying attention. I was booking it. <coughs> I didn't see him. I would have been that guy to be like, oh, no. <sighs> whoop, whoop. Like, oh, gosh. You know, so here we go. All right. So listen, when you drive fast, you miss things. But when you take that scenic route, you see these things that you didn't notice before. And there was a part at the back end of uh, that little verse 11 that, oh, it echoes the, begin the ending of his opening on the other one. See, here's the other part that brings us comfort. And that Paul wanted to bring this church comfort, and it brings comfort to us too, in that we are comforted in our affliction through prayer, not only in remembering who we're praying to, who we're praying for, but we're also comforted knowing that the call to faithful fellowship still stands. The call to faithful fellowship still stood. Remember, what did this church do? They had found, I mean, life in Christ, and God forgave them of their sins. And what did they do? All right, they got, they got distracted and they abandoned, they rejected Christ and they think, thinking they were following Christ, they rejected. Paul tried to correct them. Paul tried to help them. They plugged their ears and went head on even more, made things worse. And then their eyes were opened. What have we done? What have we done to Paul? Would, does Paul still love us? I mean, we don't deserve Paul's forgiveness. Would he forgive us? Does he love us? Does God love us? Does God forgive us? Is there still hope for us? Because in the first letter, he said, he told these unfaithful people, God is faithful, and he calls you to faithful fellowship. Oh, no, I would, you know, is it, would God still, we have been even more unfaithful. I know some of us have struggled with that, I guarantee you, that we have fallen into so much sin, or even forget sin, we've just taken God for granted. Does God still love me? Can God still use me? And we, we ask ourselves those questions. But here we saw something beautiful because I don't know if you saw in verse 11. He actually, in verse 10, and he says this. God delivered us and, he believed he, and we believe that he can deliver us again. For we have put our hope in him. In who? A God of all comfort. To deliver us because he is also a faithful God. While who? Did you put all? Oh, look at that. Look at verse 11. While who? What's that pronoun there, guys, on verse 11? While who? He's joining. While you. The people he's talking to. While you, Corinthian church, join in doing what? Helping us by your what? Your prayers. You have and can help us by your prayers so that many will give thanks on behalf of the gift that came to us through the prayers of many. And who are the many? 
the Corinthian church. So you know what Paul is saying? Yeah, listen, I know y'all flip, y'all flip teams. Y'all put the different jersey on. Y'all are playing on the opposite side. But hey, you're still on the team. You are still on the team. The call to faithful fellowship still stands. God is still, God still loves you. And your faithlessness has yet to cancel out his faithfulness. And he wanted that to comfort them. And this was a beautiful thing. I, I wish I would have been there to see the Corinthians read this letter. Because they must have been in tears. I'm like, oh my God. Oh. Paul, he forgives us. Paul, I mean, over and over again. Do you know what he, in, over and over again in 1 Corinthians, you know what Paul is constantly saying? Yo, you love yourself too much. You love yourself too much. In 1 Corinthians, he's always, you love you too much. That's the problem. You love you too much. You love yourself too much. 2 Corinthians, you know what he says over and over again? I love you so much. I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. What, did, what have they done? What have they done to earn him to be proud? What have they done? They did the most important thing that they could do. They turned to Christ. They turned from their sins and ran to Jesus. I am so proud, he would say. I love you so much. And they, he, so here, not only is Paul forgiving them, and if Paul can forgive them because Paul can love them, Paul's not holding a grudge. Neither does God hold a grudge towards them. And God loves them and encourages them. And they are able to start and pick up right where they left off. Because this is a faithful God who is the God of all comfort. Who comforts us whether in our difficulties that happen because of things that we did. Right? Paul was afflicted because of things that were happening to others in his life. And there he was reminded of who this God is. In fact, some of you have heard this and said, uh, said this psalm before, Psalm 23. For the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, right? He restores my soul, right? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Sounded very much like Paul saying, we, man, we were in Asia and we thought we would die. We thought we were going to die. We were walking in the valley of the shadow of death, but Oh, yeah, your rod and your staff comfort me. You are a God who conquers sin and death. Have you guys ever seen a rod and staff before? Let me show you one. This is two things that shepherds would use, rods and staffs. The staff, I'm sure you've all seen that before, all right? That's the classic shepherd's staff. This shepherd's staff was long and it was skinny. It usually had some kind of a hook and a crook to it. The reason why is because the, the shepherd would use it to inspect the sheep. He would use it to stroke and comfort the sheep, right? Hey, I'm right here. It was long, so he can kind of have a good reach and kind of touch a lot of different sheep nearby quickly. The hook was sometimes to snag it, right, from if it fell into anything or, or to bring it closer, to draw it closer to itself, right? And that's what the staff did. The rod was different, and the rod wasn't for the sheep. The rod was for the wolves and everything else that were coming after the sheep. And, and the rod would sometimes be used as a projectile weapon, right? He'd be out there, you know, just he would throw it to scare animals. But you know what's a lot of times, you know, if you throw it, now you're defenseless. Shepherds would have to, with that rod, they would get up and close with the, up and close with the, I'm sure they would have loved guns and things like that, right? These guys had to get 
faith, you know, right there with the lion, right there with the bear, right there with the wolf, and beat it, confront it, close combat. And so, why do I point those two things out? Online, look at me. Why do I put those two, two things out? Because Jesus is our shepherd. And the cross and his word, his rod is his word. And the, that, and the shepherd's staff is that cross. And it is the cross that can scoop anyone, no matter who has fallen, how far you have fallen. The cross is long enough to scoop anyone who calls on Christ for help. And the cross brings us comfort to know that Jesus refused to be comforted on the cross. He was offered comfort up there, and he refused it. So he can take all of that affliction of our sin and pain so that we can find a comfort you and I don't deserve. The God of all mercy and comfort. That cross is that sh the, the, the staff that can bring us, and it brings comfort to us to know the same Jesus he did not remain dead. He is alive today. And if we place our trust in him, that brings us comfort. But we also have a rod. And the rod is not for us to, you know, kind of like beat each other with, you know. We know that our God is not only near us, but his word can not only strengthen us, but it is the same thing that can defend us and fight off fear, and all those things and anxiety that we may struggle with. But here it is, even the valley of the shadow of death, which I even love that idea. Guys, um, how can you see a shadow? Use your imagination. What do you need to see a shadow? Hmm? You need light, don't you? Can you see shadow in a dark room? How many of you ever read Psalms 23 and thought, though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, and you thought he was pitch black? I can't even see my pan for on my face. How many of you ever read that psalm thinking that's what he was doing? He don't see nothing, but he sees a light at the end of the tunnel? No. Where is this God? Your rod and your staff. Oh, and by the way, you missed even the pronoun there. The Lord is my shepherd. Paul, uh, David talks about God. But then he says, though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you. Whoa, who's he talking to now? He's not talking about God anymore. He is talking to God. Why? Because he's right with him. And God is light. And so the shadows that he sees, he has an option. Do I pay attention to the shadows? Or do I look to the light? See the difference? A lot of our anxieties sometimes come from the fact that we're so consumed with the darkness of the shadow. We forget the God of light that is right there. And we find comfort in that. When we turn to him, you, you, right here. He don't got a shout. He right there. He ain't heard a hearing. He's right there. And this is a shepherd who Jesus himself said in John 10, I give my life for my sheep. I give my life for my sheep. And so this week, I thought it was interesting. Here I am. You know, a few days after hearing about my grandfather's passing. It meant a lot. Preaching with his watch on, his jacket. And this week, I received a lot of comfort from messages, texts from people. Like, hey, man, we're praying for you. 
If you need anything, I don't know how many texts I got. If you need anything, you need anything, you need anything. I ain't going to lie. There was a part of them say, I'm going to answer. I need something from all y'all. <laughs> I'm going to take advantage. I'm going to take advantage of this. Okay, I need, I need, I need this, I need that, I need this, I need that, I need this, I need that. Be careful. I, oh, I, I, I wanted to do a social experiment and try it. I was like, nah, let me not. Oh, really? Really? Expose y'all. Anyways, <laughs> I was comforted to know I wasn't alone. Family was there, right? And we spent all that time together. And, and then speaking in God's word and then remind, I'm remembering the verse that I had studied the day before he passed. It's a God of all comfort, any kind, all kinds of afflictions. There's nothing too big. And so Paul was, Paul found comfort. And he wanted to comfort those who were grieving. And I found comfort this week. And I came here to comfort you in whatever you may be grieving. And if you're having a great day and great month, great life, great decade, awesome, then, hey, now how can God use you to comfort someone else and be that child? In fact, I want you to look at this bottom line here. True comfort can only be found in Christ when we lay our head down on the pillow of his promise. That's it. True comfort can only be found in Christ when we lay our heads down on the pillow of his promise. And I put promise, my bad. I, mis, I mistyped that. I didn't want to say promises. I wanted to make that singular, promise. Because there is one promise, one word. It is who he is. The promise is Christ. Not God promised to give you this or do this or do that. Man, forget it. Those are cheap. The promise is him. The promise is all of him. And I love how even at the end, Paul ends his prayer. He ends, he talks about prayer at the beginning and ends the, sec, ends the letter to the Corinthians with a prayer. I pray now that you may not do wrong anymore. Like in essence saying, I pray that you now may be faithful to the Lord who's been faithful to you. But in true Paul form, if God has comforted you, ask the Lord how God can comfort someone else through you. And so he prays two prayers at the end of 2 Corinthians. He says, I pray that you may be faithful, but I pray that you may grow in that faithfulness by living for the Lord and bringing the same comfort and joy for others, joining us and praying for us and doing so much. And I love, he says, this is a God of all comfort, all kinds of afflictions. So now I just want to turn it to you as we wrap up. And I'm going to just, I want you to ask this personal question. What is afflicting you? If this is a God of all comfort who afflicts us in all of our afflictions and any kind, let me just ask, what is afflicting you? I want you to ask that question personally. Ask that question. You know, maybe for some of you, maybe you've been bothered, and I'm just going to be real with you. Maybe some of you guys, you've been bothered unnecessarily. You're putting too much focus on the shadow instead of the light, right? Okay, it's a problem, but come on now. I mean, some of us are just too addicted to drama. I think it's too much Real Housewives and all those other shows. I think, I don't know. I don't know. All right? I think it's too many of us, like, we just get addicted to drama, and so we just make it up, and we just put the focus on that. Some, I know, some is difficult. Maybe there's a prayer that you've been praying that hasn't been answered yet. But for you, let's just talk about you. You know? You're, you're, you're in it. You're going through something. It's uncomfortable. It's difficult. You don't understand why. You can't, you can't, you know, you've retraced all your steps and you can't figure out a sin that you did to put you in this situation. This is not on you. Maybe. What is it? 
Maybe some of you or maybe your greater afflictions is not something that's happening to you, but it's happening to you because of something that's happening to others. Maybe you have spouses, kids, neighbors that don't know the Lord and it weighs heavy on your heart. Maybe you have friends, family, believers in Christ who walked away and you've tried to encourage them, you've tried to love them and they're just plugging their ears in, heading down over a cliff and there's nothing you can do and you feel like there's nothing you can do. Which I want to encourage you, Paul said at the beginning in verse 11, he said, your prayers are helpful. Never think that your prayers are wasted words. Never. Prayers are helpful. Because who? it's not so much you, it's the person you're praying to, the object of the person you're praying to. That matters. But whatever affliction that you may have, whatever you may be going through, unresolved tension, a wound that could be very old, that is festered, Maybe it's just kind of scabbed over and it's never really healed. You know, there, there's sometimes that people, when they go through something physical, if you, if you break a bone and you don't set it right, it's going to set in a very uncomfortable way and it's not going to heal right. Maybe some of you have not healed right emotionally, mentally, spiritually because you never went and found that comfort. You just let the callous, you know, this world just kind of just let it take its course. Well, there's good news that we have a God Okay? who can reverse those things. We have a God who brings comfort in any kind of conflict, crisis, and affliction. doesn't mean that it'll go away because uh, Paul's thorn in his flesh still stayed. But he found comfort not, be, not in the absence of pain. He found comfort in the presence of God's promise that his grace is enough. His grace is enough. That brings us hope. That is why Paul said earlier, our hope is firm. You know what that means? Yo, you can't lose. You can't lose. If you try to find comfort in anything outside of God, you can't win, guys. Some of you online, I don't know. Maybe you've hit it really well. I have zero clue. Only you know. There's some people, I guarantee it, that you've just gotten complacent. You haven't found comfort. You just got complacent. You just dealt with it. I just, this is just my life. The reality is, guys, is listen, you can't, you can't win if you don't find comfort in Christ. But the beautiful thing is that even no matter what happens to you, you can't lose if your confidence is in Christ. You can't lose. God can take all that and repurpose any kind of pain because he is enough. God's grace is enough. The thing that you got to do right now is do what the last kid in that video did when he was offered something, right? Hey, you want a dollar? And it, whoop, took it and ran. All those boys ran with him, cowards, right? You need to do what he did. <coughs> Here is a God, I'm presenting a God before you, a God of all comfort. The desire to comfort you and desires to not just you, but even do by his grace comfort others through you. Will you choose to accept Christ? Will you choose to put your trust in him? Or would you just ah, give it to somebody else? I pray that you may not be like those who walked away from a blessing because they didn't doubt the messenger, because they doubted the messenger. And I'm going to tell you, don't doubt me. You can look to the cross. Just don't doubt him. Look to him. Because if he said he's a God of all comfort, 
any kind of afflictions. That means that there is no sin. There is no stain of sin that God can't wash away. There is no pain that God can't put peace in. And there is no level of anxiety that God's hope cannot speak to. And all it's found, not in your achieving, not in your trying, not in your doing, but in your trust in a faithful God who brings comfort to all who call on Christ.